The final installment of James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy series has officially been dropped and it was pretty good. We've seen the crew dance to save the universe. We've met Peter Quill's Papa Planet. Gamora died and came back to life. The story has definitely had its highs and its lows, but now it's time for it all to come to an end. In this movie that probably should have been two movies, Gunn presents a group of the most hero-like guardians we've seen so far. Appropriately enough, Gunn felt the need to counteract this optimistic take on the guardians with perhaps one of the most devious villains we've ever seen in the Marvel Universe. I'm not trying to conquer the universe. I'm perfecting it. More callous than Loki? Oh, definitely. More evil than Thanos? Maybe. A commentary on the God of the Israelites? Well, <laughs> we gotta talk about it. Folks, welcome to Checkpoint Church, where nerds, geeks, and gamers come together to talk about faith games, and yep, I still have a crush on Linda Cardellini, even if it's just her voice inside of a CGI otter with robot arms. What about you, friend? I am your nerd pastor, Nate, and if you like these weekly deep dives, be sure to sub, hit that bell, and find out when our next one drops. Folks, with this one, we're going to be starting with our scripture, as we always do. Our guest liturgist this week is Trombone Dalek, so I'll be throwing it over to Trombone, who will be reading from John chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. As always, she'll be reading from the NRSVU. That's our preferred translation here on the channel. It's what's going to be on the screen. If you have a translation that you prefer, feel free to use that one as well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this is gonna be a nerdy sermon based mostly on the villain of the latest Guardians movie. To understand who they are, we're gonna to need to look at their actions in the film, which means, yeah, pretty huge spoilers for this one. But let's be honest, if you love Marvel, you've probably already seen this. If you haven't seen it, then I bet your nerdy curiosity has definitely seen more than a few spoilers online. If you don't like Marvel, this spoiler nerdy sermon is probably all you need from this very, Marvel movie. For real, imagine having started with this movie. You wouldn't understand anything. Why are there so many subplots? How big is this cast? This movie feels like a hop, skip, and a jump away from a full cast musical number. Or, I don't know, say like an hour and a half long montage of the crew dancing to some random 2000s era pop rock song by, I don't know, let's just say Florence and the Machine. I'm just spitballing here. As a kind of foundational practice, let's just lay out who this is. The Guardians of the Galaxy are a crew of hodgepodge heroes who are in space who have been assembled mostly around their sort of leader, Peter Quill, a half-human, half-celestial being who has had a goofy series of antics through three movies and many crossovers. The crew includes Gamora, his once-dead love interest who was resurrected and no longer loves him. She doesn't remember it because it wasn't her because her dad threw her off a magic cliff and she died. Drax the Destroyer, a brutish but lovable dummy. It's Kevin Bacon. He's not a loser, he's great. We don't hate him at all. Nebula, the MacGuffin weapon and sister of Gamora. Mantis, the empath bug that is the sister of Peter. He is my father too. Groot, an alien that is also a MacGuffin every weapon that looks like a tree. I am Groot. Mm-hmm. I am Groot. 
And then of course there's Rocket, the raccoon-like member of the crew that this movie bases one of its 2700 plots around that is also the main plot of the film. Of course, that's just the main crew. We should certainly also mention the rest. We have, let's see, um, Kraglin, Cosmo the Space Dog, actually literally just Sylvester Stallone, Howard the Duck, Red Ravager number one, Krugar, Martinex, Starkid, 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 Starchild, Starkid, Starkid. Stark. And that should be all of them. Oh, wait, you're still here? Let's just move on. As I mentioned before, this film focuses on Rocket, who for the past three movies has been a mysterious creature that has claimed vehemently to not be a raccoon, only for this film to reveal, unsurprisingly, that he is indeed a raccoon. A raccoon experiment, to be precise. The high evolutionary, the big bad of this flick, has a vision to create the perfect utopia on a planet that he owns. Does he own the planet? Hosts? Found? Did he find this planet? Whatever. On a planet called Counter-Earth. He intends to recreate the world of Earth and its masterful creation that is humanity. However, he wants it to be perfect. In fact, he's obsessed with that perfection. He isn't actually a god and can't just make people, so he is experimenting on animals that he just has somehow, and he wants to progress their evolution so rapidly that they evolve into humanoid forms, which is of course what happens, I'm sure. His early experiments, like Rocket, are less about advancing them genetically, and more about actually using mechanical factors to evolutionize them then and there, such as adding spider legs to a rabbit, wheels to a walrus, and robot arms to an otter. Or of course, like our hero Rocket, what, what did they do to Rocket? Straighten their spine? I never really understood exactly what experiment was done, but that. Anyway, Rocket for some reason is smarter than the average bear. Raccoon? Raccoon bear. Mixed metaphors are not my strength. Rocket solves the equation for why the high evolutionary's projects keep falling short. This leads to the evolutionary being obsessed with why Rocket was somehow able to complete a high-functioning equation that even they themselves could not solve. The evolutionary obsesses over Rocket's brain, but foolishly reveals that he plans to just kill Rocket and then study Rocket's brain. Rocket escapes, of course, and begins his transformation into the character that we've gotten to know and love over many Marvel phases. Rocket. When we return to the High Evolutionary in the modern timeline, we learn that thanks to the equation that Rocket solved, the Evolutionary has perfected this evolution and created a whole world of Bebop and Rocksteady-likes. However, it's far from a utopia. Drugs, gang warfare, poverty still exist in spades on the High Evolutionary's counter-Earth, making it look a whole lot more like Peter Quill's actual Earth. The High Evolutionary knows that he has failed and reveals his master plan is to just wipe the slate clean with bombs and try again using his most recent army of Sia's along with Rocket's brain to create a perfect utopia this time. We learn from this that this is far from the first time the Evolutionary has done this. The High Evolutionary has committed genocide again and again and again with their creation ultimately failing every time. Now I can't be the only one that heard the High Evolutionary's plan and kind of thought of Noah and God's destruction of God's people under a huge flood. And it made me a bit uncomfy. Now, it's not totally on the nose here. The Old Testament is obviously an epic story of a nation, shouldn't be considered without serious exegetical thought and contextual study. Plus, of course, God spares Noah and his family, even makes a covenant to never destroy creation again. There's a lot that doesn't work here, but still, it's just a, it's just a little disconcerting. And I'm certain I'm not the only one that's thinking this. I'm just naming the elephant in the room. So I thought this might be a good time to address the awkward nature of this story and examine the differences between the literal God of the Bible and how that God doesn't not line up with the vicious high evolutionary. You'll notice our scripture for this one isn't in fact about Noah at all. I chose not to analyze Genesis 6 because frankly, there are places for that conversation 
and this isn't one of them. If you want to exegete Genesis, if you wanna talk about it, we're gonna get a whole lot more time than just a 15 minute YouTube video. I don't plan to convince you of a mythological history of epic proportions that can be found in the Old Testament writings, nor do I intend to attend to the literalists, nor do I intend to make apologetics for the pretty clear hyperbolic nature of the account. Instead, I wanna look at the ultimate goal of the biblical story. And that we really get to discover in John 3. We all know John 3, 16, I'm convinced, for God so loved the world, but do we actually acknowledge what's like going on in this passage? In John's third chapter, we are barely entering into the epic narrative of the gospel, but John pulls no punches right away. This is a conversation between Nicodemus, one of the Pharisee leaders, and Jesus, in which Jesus is dealing with this wise Pharisee who already knows all the historic scriptures. He knows the story of Noah better than most. He knows Moses and the journey of Israel up until this point. What he doesn't understand is how it all works. He sees the pieces on the board, but he doesn't understand that they're actually all tied together. See, from the very beginning, we have a heartbroken God. The story starts with creation that is immediately followed by betrayal. But the heartbroken God is never a God of vengeance or vehemence. There's no lack of empathy, but instead radical and overflowing love and grace. And it was planned since the nation formed around the great exodus of Moses and the nation's start. Why? because God so loved the world. So this whole story kicks off not out of spite, destruction, or apathy, but with love at the center. Out of love, God sends the Son. Why? So that they, humanity, may not perish. Perishing is already happening. It is a standard and expectation, a limitation of the fall from the creation narrative, a result of our separation from God. So out of love and with knowledge of this perishment that will happen, the Son has arrived offering eternal life. How? Not through condemnation. That's never been the practice. There is no condemnation in the radical love of the Son. Indeed, there is no condemnation for those that don't believe because the perishing thing is already an affectation of the separation. There is no further condemnation, only forgiveness, only grace, only opportunity. The judgment is this, the light came to the world and those who find the light will find eternal life in the light through the confession and forgiveness freely and radically offered through the love that has entered the world. What we ultimately have here is what we like to call justification. In Wesleyan tradition, we have a concept of grace that is fourfold, starting with prevenient grace. That is the grace that we have before we know any of this. And then we enter this moment that is freely offered to us beyond our own comprehension called justifying grace in which justice is met. The wrong is made right through time and space by the entering of the light into the world. It happened long ago and yet is still happening today. We learn that Jesus did die for us, for my sin, for my fall, for my brokenness. And in that long ago and still today, it is justified. Then we enter the life of sanctification, doing good, doing no harm, striving to grow, practicing the means of grace with the goal that we might reach perfection someday in the final form of grace, perfecting grace. Now the difference between God and the high evolutionary is clearly found here in justification. The evolutionary does create, and that creation does fall short of their expectations. God does create. And that creation does fall short of God's own perfection. In response, the evolutionary starts over. God does not truly wipe the slate clean. God's goal is not a reset button. It's a radical love in the form of grace, of not a second chance, but a rebirth. 
as Jesus tries to explain to Nicodemus. For the evolutionary, Rocket's genius is not seen as the successful project that it is, but is instead an anomaly that will allow for the next project's success. The evolutionary isn't obsessed with their own creation, but instead with the act of creating the next thing. The creation of the evolutionary only gets one iteration. God never gave up on creation and will never give up on the coming creation. All have fallen short and also all are given the radical grace of a justifying grace that has been and will forever be freely offered. God's obsession is the perfection of you. The evolutionary's obsession is on the you after you. We are not an iteration. We are creation. We are created in the image of God, the Imago Dei, and we are created with purpose, forgiven in justification, and pursuing something better, something Christ-like, something perfect in the coming days. This is tough stuff. I can't believe that Rocket Raccoon of Guardians of the Galaxy has allowed us to wrestle with these concepts, but let's not miss the opportunity to actually use this conversation for something. So what does this actually mean for us today? Well. If you haven't seen Jesus for God's love that justifies us, this is an invitation to accept that and work towards something greater than we were before. Hear the good news. By the grace of God and in the name of Jesus Christ, you have been forgiven. If you want to talk more about what that means, about baptism, about really understanding Jesus for you and who Jesus is in your life, reach out to me. Let's work through these tough questions. Let's enter in to that rebirth that Jesus told Nicodemus about. If you're already on the other side of that justification, you're in this act of sanctifying grace, then I encourage you to consider the actions of the high evolutionary. And I encourage you to wrestle with them. Allow yourself to wrestle with them. If you think God is not complex, you're fooling yourself and you're not challenging yourself enough. It's okay to doubt God or to think that the high evolutionary feels familiar to a God you once knew, but don't let it lie in that space of doubt. Challenge the old concept of God with the God that we know and see in the one who loved the world, who came not to condemn, Challenge that concept. Move into a space of deeper love for God and a deeper love for others than you have right now. Wherever you may fall, I'm always glad for movies and themes like this that allow us to point to a God that isn't like the tabloids would have us believe. Know that you are loved and that you matter. There is no room for a genocidal egomaniac in that comprehension of God. God must be better. So, whether you are an experimental raccoon, mm -hmm. a destroyer that should be a dad, analogy, is it? or an actual telekinetic Russian space dog, she's a good dog, know that you are always welcome here at Checkpoint Church. Folks, thank you so much for watching this video. I so appreciate you taking time out of your busy days to join us on these nerdy deep dives. If you want more of what Checkpoint Church is offering, we are streaming over on Twitch every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. We'd love to have you there for any of those streams. If you want more right here, right now, you can go join our Discord. We're active there 24-7. We would love to have you over there getting lunch with us on Wednesdays, hanging out, and just enjoying time together. If you liked this video, which odds are you did if you watched to the very end, let me know that this is one of your favorites by clicking that thumbs up button. Let me know that you liked this. I really do check those and we make more videos based off of those likes, so do let me know. If you want more of these nerdy sermons and you're wondering what to watch after this, I could recommend maybe learning more about the confusing history of Christianity that we found in our video on Pentiment. Or if you want a little bit deeper dive into God complexes and the rules that accompany them, you could always go back and watch our one on Jupiter's legacy, RIP. Or if you want to know more about serving righteousness and sacrifice and where we're really called to lay down our lives, then you could watch our video on Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Those are just a couple that might connect to this one for you. 
quick question for you. Who is your favorite guardian of the galaxy? The obvious answer is probably Groot. I have a feeling a lot of people are gonna say that, but I gotta be real and say that Drax has just continued to grow on me throughout the whole series. Metaphor. I, I just love that goofball. With that, we're gonna end this video with our three things that we believe to be true about every single one of you out there. Number one, we believe that God loves you, like really, really loves you. Number two, we love you. We want community with you. That's what we're doing here. And number three, we believe that you, yes, you matter. You are a person of sacred worth. The world is a better place. Why? Because you are in it. Folks, with that, until the next time that I see you, whether it be on Twitch tomorrow, whether it be on Discord right now, or whether it be the same time, same place here on our YouTube channel next week for another of these nerdy deep dives, I look forward to seeing you then. Until next time, bye-bye! Are you a Korok? You, my friend, are a backpack. You cannot fool me. You cannot fool me. You are a backpack. You are a sentient backpack. What do you mean? What do you mean? All right, we're gonna talk to you. <laughs>